Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. All right, well, today's Monday, the 15th of February, and it, a lot of games happened this week. And I mean, this is the thing is that we're so overloaded right now with football. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I remember as well those three months earlier in 2020 where we had nothing. Uh, and we pretty much were just watching old games and just taking in whatever we could at the time, whatever content there was. And it was kind of fun. And then all of a sudden football came back. And ever since, we've been pretty much just smashed with it. I mean, it's just nonstop. There are games every single day. I mean, I find myself watching probably too much football. But it's okay. Uh, there's, there's still some great stuff. But... I think for me today, trying to figure out what to, to really get into, there were so many things about this weekend that I did not enjoy, VAR decisions, talking points, um, also just things that were not super spectacular. I don't think there were any, very many storylines or games that really, really caught my attention. Look, obviously, a lot of people are talking about Liverpool right now and, and where their season is going, that all of a sudden, it looks like the top four might be out of their reach. And it might be. They might not make it. The thing is that everyone is going so hard on this. Everyone is going so, so hard on this idea that Liverpool are in collapse on the brink of it all coming down. And, you know, the, the reality of that is, first of all, we're, we're all aware. Ever since the Merseyside Derby, when Virgil van Dijk went down and we knew that he was going to be out for a while... We knew that was going to be a challenge. But then when Joe Gomez, Joe Matip, and then, and then every other situation that goes wrong can happen, you end up having to move Jordan Henderson into your center back line with Fabinho. Fabinho gets injured. I mean, th this has just been, in so many ways, the the season where everything went wrong for Liverpool. And last season, when they won by a landslide, it was like everything went so easily right that you know, okay, I, whatever, maybe things even out. But I look at this and I don't see a club in crisis. I see a club where they were hammered by City, or so it looked. It was actually really two horrible mistakes from the goalkeeper in the space of three minutes that put the game really out of reach, right? They're down 3-1 all of a sudden, and then Foden scores a brilliant goal, makes it four, looks like they got ripped apart. But they were completely in that game the whole time. Against Leicester this weekend, they scored one of those goals, and I'll talk about it later a little bit, but one of those amazing goals that makes you think the swag is back. I mean, they're they're, they're so good. They concede one of a scruffy free kick. It just kind of goes through a crowd. But at this point, it's not done yet. And then right after that, you have another horrible error from your goalkeeper. You go 2-1 down. Concede the third really, really soon after. And so now it just looks like this, like everything's, the wheels are coming off. But they're not. Look, here's what I'll say about Liverpool. Regardless as to whether they make the top four or not this season, this has been a very difficult one where everything went wrong. Believe me, they will be back next year as title contenders. They are already a ready-made squad to contend for a title. If everyone's fit, they're going to do it. So I just think for everyone who's getting involved in the whole Liverpool storyline of how how there's a crisis, there isn't. They're missing like their, their spine. They don't have the team that is supposed to be challenging every week. They're missing some important players, and you know it's just been a really tough year. So I, I, I'm leaving Liverpool alone in, in this because it's kind of like, well, wherever they finish is wherever they finish. It'd be wild if they didn't make the top four from having been champions 
But you look at the reasons why, and I just don't think it stacks up as something that we can say, crisis, this is horrible. Like, Jurgen Klopp, he has his whole starting lineup in two weeks. If, if that were to happen, they would start winning games quick. If Virgil van Dijk was back fit next week, Joe Gomez back fit next week, everyone would be like, eh, don't call the title yet, right? But that's not the case. So we'll see what happens. Champions League is coming up this week. There's going to be some really, really interesting ties. I was taking a look at them, and you know, calling them is really difficult. It's really hard to, to pick a winner of these, and I think that's what's going to be so fascinating. There's almost none of them where I'm like, that's a dead cert, easy. Uh, there's going to be some interesting stuff going on here in the Champions League. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. That'll start back up tomorrow, which I'm really, really excited for. It's always exciting in that, that late period, mid-February, when the Champions League comes back. So really what I want to focus on actually is some of my favorite goals I saw this weekend. Because like I said, there's so many negative narratives that we can jump into. Uh, I I am planning on doing a little uh, mini-series, sort of like a four or five part thing on VAR at some point. Because I really want to dissect all the different pieces of it that are interesting. I'm going to do it with a friend of mine. And we want to talk about it because it's, it's ruining the game. But it's not necessarily VAR that's ruining the game. It's the way it's being implemented and the way the rules are being looked at and interpreted. So there's a lot there. And instead of making uh, an episode where we just rant about what upsets us about it, because as football fans, that's very easy to do. We want to actually come and bring you sort of like a a researched, well-researched situation on the rules, how everything was built in the first place, and what the intentions were and where we are now and what the referees hope to change. Uh, also on ESPN FC um, or ESPN plus, I should say they're uh, they're releasing a documentary called the game. It's a short about referees and uh, and the referee booths. I believe it's based in Italy. I have, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I will. It looks, it looks really good from the, from the previews. And also another thing they're going to be releasing this week is the Galacticos um, documentary series, which I am absolutely really, really thrilled and excited to see. But let's talk about some great goals from this weekend. Why not? Just, just going to throw out some ones that I just loved. They were fun, you know, maybe some filthy goals, team goals. Normally in this category, I'd also want to put in some weird goals, some own goals. But for sure, this was the week where there were some very, very quality assists and team goals that I think deserve a mention, and also just a few little funny bits. So here's what I'm going to start with. Lucas Muriel, the Colombian man from uh, part one half of the Colombian strike force of Atalanta, 89th minute, they've been playing against Cagliari, and they've been pretty drab and not very good. This guy's the ultimate super sub. He receives a ball, top of the box to the left corner, and just makes a, a mini slalom course out of the two defenders, and just hits a rocket near posts from right inside the box. And it's just no way the goalkeeper can save it. But it was, you could tell how much the goal meant to him and to the team. And and just that one had filth written all over it and a rocket. So Lucas Muriel, first one, excellent goal. Lautaro Martinez for his tap-in. Yes, excellent tap-in by Lautaro Martinez. But obviously, if you watched this game and saw this goal between Inter Milan and Lazio, you saw Romelu Lukaku go into sixth gear overdrive. It's Ferrari time. 
And I mean, it's incredible because the guy, once he gets going at top speeds, it's almost like Usain Bolt. He gets faster and faster and faster once he gets past 30 yards. And just an unbelievable physical effort. The Italian press called him the cyclone after it. He just bolts down from half field, takes on a defender, leaves him in his wake. And really clever little ball at the end to just find Martinez top, just top of the six-yard box with an easy tap in. And that killed the game. So in a big win for Inter Milan, who I think now are really stamping their authority on potentially ending this long run of Juventus running away with Scudetto after Scudetto and just scooping them all up. Anyway, moving on to another, someone you probably don't know. This is Adam Unas from Crotone, a player I had not really seen or heard of before. He gets a filth award for his goal. Uh, absolutely magnificent. Turns a defender inside, left, in, out, and then the finish is fantastic. Very, very similar goal to Pedro Neto, the one that he scored for Wolves this weekend as well. Those two goals, I just like that. The bobbing and weaving and being able to use the dip of the shoulder to try and create the space and, and send, a, send a defender just the wrong way for you to be able to tuck it in. So both goals had had something similar to them. Really, really nice work. I, I enjoyed them. Uh, and I like seeing goals like this from these kinds of wingers. It's, it's really fun. Robert Lewandowski scores a absolutely brilliant goal. Chip ball into the box. Chests it down. Turn and volley. Spectacular goal. Now, if you go and see the highlights of this game, I will talk about it in a little bit, but that goal right there, spectacular. The best one of the day. Leo Messi had an absolute masterclass. Again, as usual. Uh, scored two goals that were pretty similar to each other, actually, and, and absolutely terrific. I mean, this is long-range Messi. Um Received the ball both times. He received the ball on, on and and sort of approached the defender and did just a beautiful little outside of the left foot chop scoop to the side just to get it out of his feet and to make sure that the defender, if he'd stuck in a toe, the ball would miss him, either go over him or be too, too square for them to get a touch. And then he just unleashed a shot. The first one in the first half is a left-footed curler that actually goes near post, hits the bottom of the near post, Goes all the way across and hits the side net just over the line on the far side. Beautiful goal to watch. Always and always nice to see a ball go off the post and in. But this also had the filth at the beginning. And then Leo Messi did basically the exact same move later in the second half. He's central this time. Picks it up and crushes one into the top corner and far side. And I just want anyone, take a look at the technique this is something that as a coach, I tell my players that I coach all the time. You have to leave your plant foot. If you want to take a really good shot with some power from range and have that kind of accuracy, that deadly accuracy, you pl he's planting his right foot, swinging through with his left. But as watch the replay, he at one point has both feet off the ground. And he's not just swinging through with his left and curling around it. That piece of the technique is what makes the ball shoots straight like an arrow right into the top corner and it makes his level of control and power on it so good so for anyone wondering how to properly shoot a ball that's that's pretty much your classic best example of here's how to pick out a top corner from 25 yards out well then Messi goes ahead and gets involved doesn't get the assist here but um sets up a goal with an absolutely beautiful scoop Antoine Griezmann gets in and behind, and you have to say, very nice, 
half volley pat square ball across the box to Junior Firpo, who gets a tap in. Uh, Antoine Griezmann's assist really was really good, but Messi's scoop to start the whole move. You know, he's already scored two brilliant goals. Oh, here, have a little bit of this. So Barcelona beat Alaves 5-2, and Messi just, yeah, he just put on a show. Over to England. Saw one uh, pretty unbelievable goal that, I mean, there were some there were some good goals in England this weekend. Not that many that were spectacular. Uh, I think the Mohamed Salah goal for Liverpool with the Firmino assist. I mean, that Firmino assist is just dirty all up and down. The fact that Salah doesn't need a touch beyond just a one beyond one and just scooping into the far corner. That was spectacular. But in England, I got to give the goal of the week award to Ilkay Gundogan for his second one where he kind of made Davin Sanchez look a little bit like Messi made Boateng all those years ago in the Champions League. And, I mean, Davin Sanchez at the very end is so desperate to try and figure out a way to get in front of this shot that he has, you know, done a full-on dive like a salmon to the ground just to try and f- get his face in front of the ball even. I mean, poor guy. That It's meme-worthy. It's hilarious. But you got to give it to Gundawan for first the, just a little nudge to create the space and then the touch, a little bit of in and out just to shake the defender and get him twisted. And then the finish is, is class as well. That goal was phenomenal. Now, today... Uh, there was an absolutely s- sensational double by an Athletic Bilbao player called um, Alex Berenguer. Scored just uh, two terrific goals. One of them, got to give him a huge amount of credit. The first one, he's got filth. Does a nice little meg in the box and finish after a really nice combination play with uh, Iñaki Williams. But then the second goal is just an all-around team sport extravaganza of brilliant one-two touch passing great cross and an unbelievable chip finish over the goalkeeper at the end that one was one of my favorites and I love the way I let people bow play when they really are in flow and they've just got so many exciting guys they're so positive so intense they're struggling a little bit this season but this win today was was excellent so I'm going to close with the Bayern Bielefeld game that just just ended just a little bit ago here completely insane and really, really funny because we watched the highlights of this game. Bayern Munich were, first of all, they came out in a snooze fest. There was snow just chucking down. At the very beginning of the game, there's a little bit of snow. And then by halftime, it looks like there's almost an inch out there. It's just white everywhere except where they've shoveled to make sure you can see the half field line and the goal box lines and sidelines. And Bayern Munich are playing poorer. I mean, they're, they're, they're down 2-0. They're playing very badly. It doesn't look good. Second half, you see the highlights of this game. It looks like they're playing in a different place on a different day entirely. There is not a spot of snow on the field. Because clearly at halftime, they went out there and shoveled the whole thing. And the reason they definitely did that was because the game was not going well for Bayern Munich. Leroy Sané was getting the ball caught up in his feet. Anyone who was trying to dribble was getting the ball cut up. They couldn't play good, quick, one-two touch combinations because the ball's getting stuck in the snow. So for Armenia Bielefeld, this is working terrifically. So we're up 2-0. These guys don't really seem to have it together. And it's going well. But then remove the snow at halftime. It's a brand new game. Bayern Munich score that Robert Lewandowski, uh, chest and volley, but then concede within less than a minute. 
uh, all of these goals came from a huge, huge hole in central defense. No wonder why Dio Upamecano was signed this week. In the end, Bayern scored two more goals, one by Corentin Tolisso, one by Alfonso Davies. Pretty good volley uh, to tie it up 3-3. But the story of Dio Upamecano is also funny because Bayern Munich are a team who, they're a club who for years, they just announce really early when they're going to sign players. And I've always thought that's kind of clever. It's like you get the deal done, finish it, it's over. Like Benjamin Pavard, uh, Lucas Hernandez. I mean, it goes back a long way. I remember Giovanni Elber. Uh, and then and then Lewandowski and Goetze. A lot of these players, the news gets put out as soon as the the I, the signing is or the the transfer is done in in a lot of ways they, they announce it. And it also is funny because it's kind of a message to everyone. I mean, their main rivals, star center back, they're going to take him and stick him in their own team. This is the way Bayern have dominated the Bundesliga for a long, long time. But it's also funny how this just goes from Bayern. To who's next? Well, probably Dortmund are the next largest, most powerful club right now in Germany. What did they announce today? That they will be poaching Marco Rosa, the very successful Borussia Mönchengladbach manager, and be bringing him in for next season. So it's a trend. I just can't wait. Are Bayer Leverkusen going to take, you know, maybe uh, the best coach from some some team that's uh, sort of around them or mid-table or... You know, something like that. I just think it's funny how that happens a lot in Germany, and it seems like Bayern will do it first to some to to someone, and then one of the big clubs like Dortmund will also want to send a message. So funny little cascade of events going on there. Anyway, it's been a good uh, been a good weekend of watching games. Some of it was frustrating, but uh, we'll really get into this whole VAR thing at a later point. I also want to talk about goalkeepers because now it has become way, way, way too topical. Two good friends of mine are going to get on the show. Uh, we're going to try and do uh, something this week. And we're going to talk about goalkeeping and the state of goalkeeping, the way goalkeeping goalkeepers are trained, the way they're perceived, treated, used in teams um, in terms of what the style of play of a team is or if they want to build out or if they just want the goalie to smash it, if they want the goalie to stand outside the box. There's so many things. The position has changed more than any other, probably at orders of magnitude more than any other recent times. And we still talk about goalkeepers like we did back in the 90s. And that's got to start changing. And so I think there's a really, really rich conversation to get. We're going to have my friends Jesse and Ben on here to talk about that sometime this week. Until then, hope you enjoyed this weekend. Happy Champions League return, everybody. Enjoy the days, uh, the games over the next two days here. And this is Campfire Football. Have a good one.